You're listening to Songs in a Strange Land, foraging in the landscape of faith, culture and creativity. Welcome to another episode of Songs in a Strange Land. Yeah. Um, so we are now sat in my living room. It's, it's the first time turn. we've done it here. I think it is, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's partly a very special reason for that, because yeah. it's not just me and Ned this time round. We've also invited our friend Ross to come along and chat to us. Hello. Hello. <laughs> that would be Ross there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there was... Um, uh, a reason we, we asked Ross along today. Um, so, Ross, last time we recorded this, we were at the Riding Lights Summer Theatre School, and Ross was one of the, the participants there. Did we talk about Ross? I think mm. we meant, we might have mentioned I him can't. as a... He was one of the... I think we mentioned a friend um, and a conversation that we had about uh, preaching and worship um, and about reincorporation and stuff. That was Ross, but obviously... We didn't know we were going to record this, so I didn't mention his name. No. I think, I think we have mentioned Ross before. <laughs> we hadn't checked with Ross that he was... We haven't. No, 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 exactly. Actually, Ross, are you happy to be on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, we need to sign disclosure form. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. I, I am happy. Good, good, good. 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 We've got that on. on <laughs> yes, <tape>. yeah, <laughs> right. you've got it. Signed. Yeah. Signed. Great. Um, but yes, so Ross was doing the writing course there, um, and he's been a friend for a, a fair number of years now, and is a, a kind of writer, a storyteller and has got a real interest in how he links that with his understanding of the Bible, um, and also, I guess, with the fact that he, Ross is currently training for ordination as well. So, how The best all... college in the world, Cranmer Hall. Ned, if you're wondering, Ned is biased. In fact, yes. both of them are horribly biased. So yep. all... Unashamedly. All, <laughs> all endorsement of Cranmer. Other colleges here, are sort available. of available, but... Not you don't want to. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> don't get Ridley on yeah. the phone. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, our college? We did enough advertising of my workplace oh, that's last true. time. That's true. So you know we need to keep this balanced. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, we asked Ross along because he's had a rather eventful summer, not just at the the riding lights thing last time, but also um, he's been away to the states as well. I understand. So Ross stateside. Ross, do you want to... the pond. Yeah. Do you want to tell us about what you were doing this summer? Yes. So, um, after the Riding Light Summer Theatre School, I uh, flew out to uh, Washington, D.C., um, where... Uh, well, it's just outside, in a place called Chevy Chase. Um, Genuinely? No. Yeah. No! Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Chevy amazing. Chase. And I've only just got into community, so I was like, <laughs> which came first, the town or <laughs> like, the outer? Is it named after the place? <laughs> That gives um, a whole new meaning to Chevy Chase. That if he chose his stage name after some terrible alliterative <laughs> town, <laughs> this is a, this is this podcast song now. We're going to so, be on. <laughs> you went to dwell in Chevy Chase. <laughs> I went into Chevy Chase um, for um, for the Network of Biblical Storytellers Festival Gathering 2015, mm. um, and this is an international community of biblical storytellers, primarily based in the States, that's where it, it started, um, and um, and so I was there for, uh, we ran from the Wednesday through to the Saturday, and I was there, oh, and then so- after that ended, I spent some time visiting friends in yeah. various states in America. <laughs> Great, so this is, this is sort of their big annual conference, is it? Yeah, I mean, the, they, they actually had sort of all of the sort of, the things that you'd get at a PCC, 
sort of, you know, it's like, right, here's our annual meeting, let's talk about finances and the people who are on the board and randomly being there meant I got to vote for what it was worth. Um, so... Yeah. And and you talked about it being an international festival. Is that sort of like the World Series where it's mainly Americans that go, or was <laughs> it actually well balanced? Is it was mainly from... Americans, right. but there were there was a Canadian contingent. Mm-hmm. I was invited to have lunch with them as part of the Commonwealth um, <laughs> one day. Um, there was um, there was an English woman who now lives in Australia, and an Australian who now lives in Edinburgh, um, who I uh, made good friends with. Um, so and much European, um, not massively. Um, people talked about there being um, people who lived in Ireland who had links with uh, with the network, um, but not. There didn't seem to be a big mm. European contingent. And what what kind of defines a person's maybe interest in biblical storytelling? Did they have a sort of this is biblical storytelling? This isn't biblical storytelling? Yeah, so they've got a primary definition of what biblical storytelling is for them um, in terms of their mission. Um, they're a big sort of missional organisation. Um, so what do they define it as? Uh, if, as you, well, as you voted on their minutes, well, yes. you know, you're now a representative. And, I mean, you're oh, probably golly. not. No. Oh, golly, golly. How were they defining it as best you could? For them, biblical storytelling... Is um, is the telling of Bible stories by heart, uh, and they're very they're very keen that it's it's by heart, not by memory. It's by mm. heart, um, and so you you know the Bible is your text. That is your script, and you you will learn that text by heart, and you will tell it, um, and that may be in church as part of a service, or uh, that may be um, as part of something else. So yeah, it was so that was really interesting. Um, sort of, you know, I, I went in with very little understanding of what their notion of biblical storytelling was. My own biblical storytelling is quite different, but they you know, they have a thing every night called lighting the fire, where people can t- stand up and tell their own stories, biblical or not. Um, so you've got all kinds of different storytellers there. Uh, their focus is the telling of biblical stories yeah so taking that text and rather than it being a slightly monotonous church reading thing actually kind of breathing life into yeah the Um, the stuff that's there one of the other interesting things that they that that was emphasized was that in their biblical storytelling it's not the purpose is never to entertain um it's to challenge, it's to provoke, it's to inform, but it's not to entertain. Mm. That's not to say it isn't entertaining, but that shouldn't be why you do it. Okay. Um, so coming from a, a storytelling background where I think you, you do set out to entertain often in your yeah. storytelling, how was that? How did that feel mm. turning up to this place? Um, well, I felt I was made to feel very welcome and... People were, you know, I, t- I told one of my st- um, fairy tales at the Lighting the Fire on the first night and people were, were very encouraging about it. So I never felt out of place. Um, and, yeah, it gave me a lot to think about, particularly with them being, having a very sort of strong focus on scripture being told. Actually, that sort of was really interesting to think, how do, how do we treat scripture? How should we? And I think 
as soon as you start uh, telling scripture in a way to entertain, you're turning it into something that it isn't. Mm. Um, just, just to kind of maybe rephrase that question that Peter just asked about your particular style, because it's not, it's sort of bouncing from scripture rather yeah. than actually just doing scripture. Um, before going to this uh, conference, would you have described yourself as a biblical storyteller? And has that changed now that you've interacted with these biblical storytellers and they are slightly different from what you do? Sure. Um, I don't know whether I would have called myself a biblical storyteller. Um, I may well have done. Um, because some, when I first started um, storytelling, it was for Burning Fences, which you may or may not have mentioned on your podcast we, before. We have. Uh, you have? Okay, <laughs> I, 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 I needn't go any further into describing who that is, what they do. But I was their resident storyteller, mm. and so I would take uh, theologies and biblical stories, and I would adapt them into other mediums. So uh, fairy tales, science fiction, short stories... Um, that kind of thing, um, and then I would tell those. Um, so, so it's more adaptation, but, but very much with biblical that. characters, biblical themes, yeah, yeah, sort of a biblical framework. Yes, but kind of slight uh, aesthetics changes. And yeah, like... so I, I started turning the um, a lot of the Old Testament stories into science fiction. So everything is now on a spaceship, and what does that mean for the the characters mm. and? And it translated quite well, I thought. Um, but yes, it was, it was interesting to explore that. And, yeah. and now, I guess, has it changed? Um, being in amongst these people who, who are, it's very much about, as Pete described it, you know, breathing life into the scriptures. Um, have you found yourself going back over or reworking some of the, the current projects that you're working on, and sort of going actually? I want to. I want to stick more closely to scripture. Or actually, are you still really confident where where you sit with with your style and your approach? Uh, well, my summer's been a bit of a whirlwind, so I've not had a proper chance to sit down and look at the stuff <laughs> that I've written yet. But I, I, it's definitely challenged me in, in how I approach scripture. I think um, when I first started biblical storytelling, I almost had very little faith that the scriptures w were under were understandable, um, that people would get Bible, biblical stories, uh, because it's archaic language or because it's in the time so far removed from our own, how can people possibly understand it? And I think having been to the festival and seen people tell biblical stories, the scriptures do speak for themselves. So yeah, it sort of challenged me in terms of thinking, what is the purpose of, what would be the purpose of what I'm doing, mm. am I trying to do something that isn't actually required in some circumstances? Mm. Um, yeah. So tell us about going back to the conference and what you did there. So tell us about someone who told a, a Bible story really well and kind of what that was like, what they did, which which kind of reaffirmed that faith in the the, the original text. Um. There was, there was a guy called uh, Jason Chestnut. Great name. It's a great name. <laughs> Particularly for stories. Yeah. Uh, Almost I, as great as Chevy Chase, but not quite. <laughs> uh, he is, uh, 
he's a, I think he's ordained Lutheran, but his ministry is all online. Um, it's a sort of a cyber ministry and he's seeing what, you know, he's sort of going into pioneering in that sort of direction. Uh, and on the first day he uh, told the story of Moses going to Pharaoh to ask for the Israel, to ask that the Israelites could go out and worship in the desert and Pharaoh says no. And he told it sort of quite sort of sort of simply. He took his time with it, um, sort of good pacing and good intonation and um, and drawing out comedy where it was appropriate. Um, and yeah, it, it it was it was what you would expect from a good performance I suppose mm. it's, it's all the kind of things that they teach you in preaching mm. um, in, in how to pace yourself and use make use of the pause and all that kind of thing um, so mm. that was really good and there was a woman on, on the second day who did the story of the of Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman um, and that was that was good as well she had um, she made use of sort of her physicality as well in I was going to say yeah, where does um, movement how often it's movement a part of their... Yeah, their yeah. Um, and I think they're keen for all of that to be, you know, incorporated. Um, I think some stories call for stillness and, again, others for erratic movement. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, that was... So those were two sort of key ones that mm. that spring to mind. Mm. And as a, as a writer and a performer, um, do you want to describe... Um, just for listeners, your style, um, how would you describe your writing style and then also your performance style? Oh, golly. <laughs> that's, that's a big one. To that's a big one. question. Um, <clears throat> what kind of genre? Well, I'm, okay, well, I'm, I'm mostly a, um, a writer of fairy tale and fantasy um, works and... Um, and I have been for a very long time. My imagination is wild and active all the time. Um, and so I enjoy fantastic realms and working with characters who are kooky and um, somehow true to themselves, I think. Um, in terms of the telling, um, I enjoy having a rapport with the um with the audience um when i first started out at an open mic night uh i would often jump out of my persona's character to make a to make a joke and and uh and build up this sort of conversation um more recently i sort of tend to stick more to the script um that's simply because the kinds of stories that i'm telling have changed um so with the Beatitude fairy tales that I'm working on, I will stick to the script more than I would my original fairy tales, um, which are stories in their own right. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've seen me, you've, you know my writing and you know my performance. <laughs> yeah, so I just, like, like, I'm just so interested because... Does that sound... Yeah, yeah, that does yeah, sound right. true. That sounds right. <laughs> um, I guess the, the interesting thing is because I know that you have changed your performance style. You... You had a sort of storytelling persona that you would put on. You had a hat and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know, know that you went through a process a few years back where you sort of 
kind of reassess that. Also, just because of the material that I've been reading of yours, aside from your novel, which I've not actually read aspects of, um, your your biblical fairy tales or your your more um, faith based fairy tale um, stories uh, were one part, but in equal measure, you had just bog standard fairy tales which you would write, um, and I and I suspect you've been moving more to a biblical storytelling, biblical fairy tales. Um, and it, it's interesting you talk about your Beatitude fairy tales um, and that that is kind of caused you to change your performance style. It, I'm just interested to see how much being in the biblical storytelling, if we want to put it that way, mm. how that changes your performance. Sure. Whereas if you're not got the biblical material, you feel a little bit more free and loose with yeah, yeah. playing with the audience, changing stories as you go whereas actually here you've got a story framework yeah which is even if it's not well known to the audience um it's well known to you yeah. and it's i guess if i want to put a word to it, it's sacred but maybe not so severe as that but you know there's that sort of actually this is something separate from me and i therefore i need to treasure it i just i wonder how that's changed your performance that's all yeah i think that's definitely a part of it um the that uh, when i think about uh, my my beatitude fairy tales. I know that it matters uh, on a very different level to the floods of Arashek. Mm-hmm. Um, I can have a lot of fun telling the floods of Arashek, and it doesn't matter if I um, make something up on the spot or get it a little bit wrong, because it's it's a fairy tale and it's. Um, and I made it up. I, um, I'm, I'm allowed. I made it up. I, I can change it. it. <laughs> I will do what I like with it. Um, but with the Beatitude fairy tales, it feels like this task has been given to me by God for a reason, and so I need to be careful with that because it matters. Um, I've be, thus far, I've pretty much always delivered it from a script. I've never. I haven't learned any of them by heart yet and I would like to but the reason why I haven't just sort of stood up and started telling um, the farmer and his headache is because if I could I, if I miss something out then that's going to all you know break break the fairy tale mm. and I don't want to break it so I think it's it's interesting because that the wanting to be true to the text doesn't exclude a playfulness in the telling so you absolutely know maybe to the word what's going to be said or you know you because you've got a script there you might not be being playful with the story itself but you can be playful in your delivery and you you certainly do that with the biblical storytelling the and the and the kind of beatitude fairy tales that you've been working on Um, and that i mean it, it struck me so I wonder how much of scripture you can tell in a playful way while still being true to the, the text. Mm. So something like The Wedding at Cana, which is, you know, is a very playful story and there's mm. there's mm. characters in there. You've got a, a setup and a predicament. You've got a, a surprise resolution in there and you've got relationships between the characters. It just, yeah, I, I wondered, is that the kind of thing people were doing at the Biblical Storytelling Conference or could you see a... A scope for that, you know, kind of in the way you tell it, adding in maybe the response of 
say the the disgust of the crowd when they discover the wines run out just in that you drop that moment in in the mm. your facial expression would that kind of thing um work it would certainly work i don't know how i would feel um doing that personally mm. um because i i feel like i've taken a step away from my drama degree um mm. and i I've, I've taken a step away from theater I mean, they, for sure, people were doing that at the at the network, and they did it very well. I don't think that I would have the confidence to direct myself in that kind of a performance. Mm. Um, in terms of the in terms of the performance elements of it, yeah. um, there are parts of scripture where I where I think I would like to tell that series of I, I would like to tell that story, um, and I sort of have a vague idea of how I would do it. Uh, but it would be much more um, focused on 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 the telling and the use of my voice rather than and, and movement and where I'm positioned rather than adding in um, any kind of it's, it's, o- emotion to a sort of a mm, to a and what you know. what you're talking about there is the the division between writing. Mm-hmm performing yeah and being someone who has unbeknownst to me done biblical storytelling in in different settings going and performing biblical texts and i keep to the script Mm. uh, to the text a lot but adding in all those extra moments so um the the example i i would give is um i did story of ruth um and the moment when Naomi tells her to go and lie at Boaz's feet. It's not there in the text, although theologically there is room to kind of go at his feet is, you know, yeah, there's something yeah. more of kind of leading it in the way that you perform it so that it kind of says, by the way, we're talking about something else and yeah, kind of yeah. letting them into that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> A little bit of that. Um, but that's because I would probably say my roots are in performance. Mm-hmm. And so whenever I write stuff... I'm writing with a performance in mind, yeah. whereas it sounds like you perform with writing in mind. If you see yeah, what I mean, yeah. actually you're at the heart, you're a writer. Yeah. Um, and all your writing, all those fairy tales and stuff, have got that all written into the text. You don't have to add any of the characterization because you're really good at exploring that characterization. Mm-hmm. It's really clear that certainly when I've read stuff, I can hear your voice because mm-hmm. you're a great writer at that. Um, whereas with stuff that I've written, it's sort of like, well, a lot of the stuff that I've written has been in the light of you leaving Burning Fences and me sort of trying to replace you. And therefore it's sort of got your voice in it because mm-hmm. I want to try and stay true to that voice. But as a performer, I know that voice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sort of pretending. That's a really interesting division between being yeah, a writer yeah. and a performer. That's, yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. There's a whole other actually conversation we shouldn't go into it now about yeah what adopting different people's styles and voices mm. and um, but yeah let's let's not go down that route partly because um, yeah I wanted to ask so this was you know three day conference what else what else did you do there because we've we've had the PCC minutes we've had <laughs> people telling stories what what else went on because I'm just trying to build up a picture of this sure these few days. Um... Well, there was, um, there was, they had a feature speaker, um, or keynote, there was a keynote speaker, 
and they had a feature teller. So the keynote speaker um, was uh, Marvin McMickle, who is um, a pastor in one of the churches in America. I don't know which one, but he's a very, he's, he was very good. He's yeah. a very good speaker. I'm and, sure you could um, Google him if you... Yeah, it. Marvin McMickle, and he, he wrote a book, uh, which I made a note of. It's all about preaching, and it's called Living Water for Thirsty Souls. Um, but yeah, he sort of talks us through um, things. And it's mostly to do with preaching and how... Uh, and, and tips for preaching and how that... Um, that ties into tips for biblical storytelling. Um, so you had, he had lists of like eight things beginning with P or <laughs> something like that. Um, uh, so he was very good. Um, and I made, I made lots of notes. Um, there were, and the feature teller was a storyteller called Noah Baum. And she was, she didn't do any biblical storytelling in the sense, in, in the traditional sense for the, for the network. Um, but she told her stories from her, you know, she is a professional storyteller. And so she told some of her stories and she was really good, really funny. Uh, she told the story of her name, um, which is, uh, so her no name Noah is N-O-A and, um, is a biblical name. Um, and she asked how many people in the room knew, you know, thought that when you hear Noah, it's the guy with the boat and most of us Ooh. put our hands up. But uh, Noah is actually um, the fifth daughter of a man who dies in the book of Numbers. And uh, the law meant that all of his money would go to the nearest male relative. But he had five daughters and they weren't having, you know, they, they, they said this wasn't fair. So they went to Moses and said, this isn't fair. We want, we should, we should be getting our father's money. And so um, Moses went and communed with God. And then came back and said, yes, you should have your father's money and change the law. And so these sort of five sisters and sort of largely forgotten, really, um, sort of she sort of said they're the first sort of women power group <laughs> um, of the Bible. Um, so that was kind of using her name to dig back into a biblical text. Yeah. And I guess yeah. breathe a bit it sounds like so I don't know that it's it, like two verses yeah. in the middle of numbers it's it's sort of nothing but yeah, yeah but she kind of built up the context around that did she yeah, she, yeah. it sounds like she did and then it sounds like she almost then brought it forward to you know or you could start having conversations about what does that mean in terms of if people protest about the law and go to Moses and he talks to God then can the law change you can start asking theological questions yeah, and social questions yeah. from that story actually should be really interesting yeah and so she was really good um, and sort of very inspiring mm. um, there was also an epic telling one night where we went to the Methodist church across the across the road and uh, people sign up in the months before and, and they are given a part of a book of the Bible and they le they learn it by heart and then they tell it, but they, they all tell it in sequence. It's the same. They've all got a successive bit of, and this year it was the Acts of the Apostles. And so, so the whole it, of the book of Acts in they one didn't night. Get, they didn't quite get through all of no. it, um, uh, but they have done whole books in the past. Mm. The Acts was just a little bit too long, um, but it was most of Acts. And it's interesting because I mean, that's, how a lot of the um, original stories would have been told uh, by probably by a single storyteller, but mm. but you hear things that 
you know, you, you hear these stories, which you've only heard independently, and you hear them as part of this string of stories all of a sudden. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was really good. And seeing a whole different styles of biblical storytelling, some people who are quite sort of, you know, down the middle, this is the story and I'm going to tell it. And some people who, you know, some people pair up and do it in twos. And some people bring out comedy in places where you could never have thought that there would be comedy. Mm. Um, mm. The, the death of um, Safira was hilarious. Um, and so that was really interesting. Yeah, remind um, me which one. Is that the, the widow? That, well, her husband dies because... They don't oh, they they, go give they, the money. Oh, yeah, they, yes, that's it. It's, yeah. Yes, it's the, the couple who withhold yeah, the money but die. say they've given it all and... Yes, you really don't think of that as a funny bit. Um, in the, yes. This, this, it's a problematic this, bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this comedy duo came out and told it, and it it was hilarious. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, you had all sorts of stuff going on going on with that. Um, and on, on the final night, there was the Olympic Games, uh, which was just one of the things they're, they're quite keen on, is the fact that this feels like a summer camp for adults. And so you, you're in teams and you're doing all of these crazy <laughs> games and you get kids playing uh, at their summer camps. So um, so that was a lot of fun. My team won one of the games. So I got a little gold medal. Well done. Um, so the, yeah. this was more like the jumping along with a balloon between your legs, not storytelling. Or anything yeah, else. yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And throwing things into a bucket and um, running around taking as many fe- selfies with people as you could and all that kind of thing. It's good to see some bits of Christian culture really don't change the world over, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Beyond the cultures, there is <laughs> balloon games and throwing things into buckets. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there are also a number of workshops. Yes. With and, and you could you know you would opt for the workshops and they and and learn about something specific. Mm. Um, and there were a whole range of people sign up to do. To lead these workshops, so storytelling and music, and um, this, storytelling uh, one hundred and one. I guess this is um, just as we kind of come to a close. Um, how to make this not a big question, <laughs> um, but at the end of your three days, um, and bearing in mind you've been whirlwind and you've not sat down and properly reflected, um, do you? This could be a simple yes or no answer. Do you feel affirmed? Do you think there's something that you've discovered that's exciting you, uh, that you're hopeful about in light of the the conference? I definitely feel affirmed, yes. Um, And I'm hopeful that biblical storytelling will... uh, I mean, I think it's it's already being done. Uh, You said yourself that you're doing it without realising that you were doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think there are lots of people in the the UK who are doing that kind of thing. Um, But... So I think there is hope that biblical storytelling will um, will make a big impact on future ministries mm. um, and help people to engage with scripture in a new engaging way. And can I ask from, I guess, both the conference and maybe writing like summer school as well, all the stuff you've been doing this summer, what what do you think you might try and do differently? Or what is there something that you've sort of thought... Yeah, I want to reevaluate how I do that. I've been thinking a lot about how I engage with scripture, and I think that I would like to look into learning biblical storytelling, uh, biblical stories by heart, um, 
if yeah that feels important mm. I, yeah yeah it's not something i've done i don't you know there are there, i know the odd verse here and there um but it would be nice to have some biblical stories known by heart under my belt mm. um so yes yeah mm. oh, fantastic well thank well, you yeah thank you for much. joining us thank you for yeah. having me great yeah, and what we, we thought we'd do now, I think we'll put this out as a, a separate podcast as we've already gone over the, the half hour with this one. Um, we thought as a bit of a treat we'd ask Ross to read one of his stories. So we'll, <laughs> we'll put that out uh, uh, maybe a couple of days after this has gone out. Um, but for the, So for the moment, we will say goodbye, but we will see you soon with a, a bit of a story, one of Ross's own kind of biblical fairy tales based on one of the Beatitudes, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. yes, so for the moment, thank you very much for listening. It's yeah. kind of See you next time. Goodbye, and thank you very much, Ross. Thank you. You've been listening to Songs in a Strange Land. Please send any comments or questions to songsinastrangeland at gmail.com. And now, Songs in a Strange Land presents an epic telling from the New International Version. The Holy Bible. New International Version. Copyright 1973, 1978, 1984 by International Bible Society. You're right, Ned. I'm just, I'm just using the pause. I'm just using okay. The pause. In addition to translating and publishing new international version scriptures, such as the one you hold in your hands, the Bible Society's evangel- evangelistic ministry spans the globe. It includes such varied activities as translation works in over 430 languages around the world, providing scriptures for evangelical missions and ministry organisations in dozens of countries each year and meeting the needs of scriptures in prisons, among marine workers, and in other evangelistic outreach efforts. God's people sharing God's word since 1809. International Bible Society, P.O. Box 629-70. Colorado Springs, C.O. 80962. 2970-NG-NIV-53-001. Five zero dash zero zero one five two. I'm sorry, I've just got got an email here. We're not going to be able to use this this section of the podcast now. Oh. Sorry. But apparently, that the copyright is copyrighted material. Oh, so we're going to have to scrap that. I learnt it off by heart and everything. Yeah, I know. Oh I'm sorry. Sorry. Will's the law. Law.